Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration uh, where we love celebrating Jesus. Even amongst times of just craziness in our nation. And I got to be honest, this morning is one of those mornings where we should be, and hopefully we will be, and you'll spend the rest of your week in doing it, honoring the men and women um, who gave their lives to protect our country, because it is Memorial Day weekend, and that's what it's all about. But this morning, as has been the case recently, we find ourselves starting our Sunday celebration by just grieving the senseless loss of life throughout our nation. Uh, More crazy shootings. I just heard about one in Tennessee, downtown Tennessee, that occurred last night. And I got to be honest, this is, I I don't don't know about you, but no, this is the church. We can be honest, right? Everyone say, yeah. Just tired of the level of violence that's going on in our nation. Uh, Tired of just having to start our Sunday celebrations instead of saying, hey, let's come together and celebrate God. We're starting it by saying, hey, let's mourn this senseless shooting and loss of life again and just tired that the church won't stand up and say, hey, this is wrong. There's no need for it that, you know, we all share this nation, communities, whatever, together and that all of our lives matter. It's just to the point of, uh, just forgive me for my frustration, but I, I, just, I just wish the church, up would ju- church would stand up and just, not just in our sermons, but in the streets, from the pulpits and everywhere, just proclaim that our hope is in Christ alone, that we would be willing to share that. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and we're going to start by uh, praying, and then Praising God in song. God, again, we just, we just mourn the senseless loss of life that seems to be continuing to occur throughout our nation. Uh, we pray for those families who lost loved ones. Uh, we pray for those first responders who have to go and, and walk those families through the process. And we pray for those communities that are being broken apart and shattered by deaths of their family members and their loved ones. But we also pray that we, the body of Christ, would comfort them, would be there for them, would encourage them, but would also be willing to share this truth with them that our hope is in Christ alone. Our hope for peace and restoration and love resides within the mercy and love that God showed us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wanted to... um, just spend some more time praying for our nation because I can't be the only one that sees that the path we're on not going to a positive place, right? I mean, I think we can all agree we as a nation can do better than what we're seeing happening in our nation now. So um, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and God, we lift up our nation to you. We lift up, uh, even though we come from different cultures, We come from different places. We come from different states. We come from different political perspectives. 
that we're one nation. And we pray that you would just help us see past all of the forces that try to divide us and that we would see all of the things that unite us, that we wouldn't try to tear down one another because of our differences, but acknowledge that those differences is what make us the United States of America, that we're united in spite of those differences. Whether we're, 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 we're used to rural life or farm life or city life or suburban life or, or, or wherever we come from, God, I pray that we would acknowledge that this life that we have is pretty good and that we would do our best to preserve it that we would take the time to raise our children to understand that. That even this weekend, as across the nation, there are uh, people who will be gathering and celebrating in parades to commemorate those who gave their life for our nation, that we would equip our children to understand that this way of life is one that we fight to preserve. God, I pray for our congregations and our churches that we would be willing to truly take your message of hope and peace and redemption out of the four walls of the church and into the homes and the streets and the schools yes, and our communities so that people might experience your love and your grace and mercy. Yes, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, as you are making your way back to your seats and getting situated this morning. Um, we've been walking through a series in order to equip us as the church, as Christ followers, to respond to people who are struggling with their faith or people who just have questions about our faith. Why do you guys believe what you believe? Or uh, people who are kind of walking away from the faith because there's this movement going on uh, called deconstruction, where Christians are stepping away and they're like pulling apart their faith and asking questions about it. Um, so we've been walking through this series because biblically we are called to explain if people have questions about our faith to say, here's why we believe what we believe. I've shared this verse. This is in the message version, which is basically one person saying, here's what you know the Bible says. Uh, and it says, through thick and thin, from 1 Peter 3.15, through thick and thin, Keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ, your master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are and always with the utmost courtesy. So we're supposed to be living this out because we want people to see how we live as Christians and then say, hey, why do you have that hope in you? How can you be so hopeful when there's all this craziness going on in the world? And we want to be able to say in a respectful way, here's where our hope comes from. And ultimately, our hope is in Jesus Christ. Right? So we want to be able to answer questions when people ask questions. Now, we talked about a variety of topics, um, but I feel like today's is a little personal because I have several friends who I know who asked the question that we're about to look at. Uh, people who I've gone to church with for years before I even came here. Uh, I think one of them uh, has actually been here. Uh, a couple of them have, actually. Uh, but there are people today who say this. I have a friend who says, I'm done with American evangelical Christianity. 
If you look online, you'll see people posting all kind of stuff about this, and you'll hear like uh, celebrities and, and you know Christian songwriters and rap artists and all these people who say, yeah, this is, this is where they stand, that they're done with American evangelical Christianity. And I feel like it's kind of personal because I have a friend who feels this way. We've had conversations over the years back and forth about this. Uh, but just recently, like a week, maybe two weeks ago, he posted this, and I'm going to put the picture up. I blacked out his name uh, because I just blocked out his name, <laughs> All right? But uh, this is a friend of mine. This is what he posted. He put, I still consider myself a Christian. I just don't believe in the evangelical American movement that claims to be Christian, All right? Now, he posted this, but he also put, what some other person, I don't know who they are, I blacked out their name as well, I don't know who they are, uh, put the explanation on why, right? And it says, the vast majority of people walking away from Christianity in America are not rejecting the person and work of Jesus, they're rejecting the faulty biblical interpretations that lead to bigotry, oppression, and marginalization. And then he said, this rejection isn't unchristian, it's Christ-like. Which I would agree with some of that, right? Because Christ doesn't call us to oppress anyone. Uh, we talked about how racism, bigotry, that's wrong. That's not Christ-like. Here's the problem I have with 90% of the people who post stuff like this or have this sentiment. If you talk to them, which is what we should do, not just judge them, not just whatever, because they're probably coming from a place of hurt or pain or whatever. But if you talk to them, those of us in the room are smiling. Everyone online is like, what is that sound? But if you talk to these people, right, you'll find out that what's happening is their mistake, they're making a mistake between evangelical Christianity and a political perspective, right? They're, they're confusing the two. They're, they're looking at uh, a political perspective and saying it's the same as evangelical Christianity. And so they're saying, I'm done with that evangelical Christianity. And what they're really, if you dig into them, they're saying is, I don't agree with that specific political perspective. So before we continue, let me ask this. Let me ask everyone to bow their head for a minute. And we're going to pray because this is, again, one of those topics that causes people to, like, lose their minds and go crazy and all that. So, um, God, we just lift up our discussion this morning to you. We pray that it would be fruitful. We pray that it would be in accordance with your word. We pray that we would not be demeaning or hurtful or whatever, but that we would seek your truth and hopefully that you would be able to equip us through your Holy Spirit to share your truth with people who have this and share this sentiment. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And if you so feel led, continue to pray throughout this talk this morning, right? So people who feel like this, totally different uh, look because they're looking at a political perspective usually rather than evangelical Christianity. Uh, a political perspective is one that says, um, Hey, I, I, here is how I think this nation should be governed. Every single one of us has a political perspective. They don't all agree, 
right? Some, there's some who have a, a Democratic, there's some who have a Republican, some who have a Libertarian, some who are independent. It, it doesn't matter. We all have a political perspective. People in different nations have a different political perspective than those of us here in America, right? None of us are going around buying t-shirts that say, God save the queen, right? Unless we were, you know, just started watching The Crown or something and we're like all into that. But for most, most of us, we have a different political perspective. There are people in some nations where they're like, yeah, we need a dictatorship because people are so divided. And so they're happy with a the dictatorship. They have a different political perspective. We can still be Christians and have different political perspectives. Because we can be Christians, and based on our upbringing, based on the nation that we're in, based on uh, the culture that we're part of, we can all say, well, here's how I think this nation should be governed. We, because we're a part of America, have the blessing of all of us being able to talk about, share, post about, here's how I think it should be governed. You can even tweet about and harass the government leaders. Other nations, you do that, you get killed. They don't have that freedom. But this is the political perspective that we have here in America. We have the freedom to do that. Now, not everybody has the freedom to do that, but that's what a political perspective is. It's, it's like looking and saying, this is the way I think the nation should be governed, right? Totally different from an evangelical Christian perspective, because a Christian perspective, if you're an evangelical Christian, you say God is the ruler of heaven and earth, and we should all be a part of his kingdom, period. Doesn't matter how you were brought up, doesn't matter your nation, it doesn't matter your color, doesn't matter what culture you're in, doesn't matter, it even looks and says, hey, you with a different political perspective than me, I still want you to be a part of God's kingdom. Because that's what evangelical Christianity is all about. It differs significantly. It is absolutely nothing like a political perspective. So here's what I want to do. Uh, this morning, I want to look at some of the differences. But I also want to, people, uh, I want to equip us so that when people say, well, why do you guys think this? Why do you guys feel this? We can share this is what evangelical Christianity is. And that we're crystal clear and letting people know it has nothing to do with a political perspective. Some aspects of some political platforms may line up with Christianity. Not all of them do, right? And that's okay. So for one, let me share a couple of things, three quick things. First is um, evangelical Christianity says that we have a responsibility to tell people about the hope we have because there is a savior of all humanity regardless of your political perspective, right? How many people remember the Christmas story, right? Not the TV one with the guy in the BB gun. I've still never seen all of that, but um, the, the one out of the Bible, right? So bear with me. We're going to walk through it quickly. I know it's like hot in here, but we're going to talk about Christmas. So in Luke chapter 2, this is what it says. It says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, and this is key, this is key. Angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
right? So the, the angels come and they say, hey, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. That phrase, good news, and you guys have heard this. You hear it every Christmas. Uh, the good news is, is, says good news, but it's one word in the Greek. It's the Greek word evangeliso, where we get the word evangelism from because it's sharing good news. The good news is, hey, that there is a Savior. That's where we get the word evangelism. What the shepherds did next is where we get the concept of evangelism. Because they went, they checked it out, they hurried off, they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed. They didn't go tell people, hey, I just saw a cute little baby. They went and told people, hey, the baby that I just saw is the savior of all humanity. They spread the good news. That's why we have this responsibility to tell people we have hope because there is a savior. We get to tell people, hey, uh, I know our world is in shambles right now, but there is hope because there is a savior. I know there was just another mass shooting, but there is hope because there is a savior. I know things look bleak and we have no idea how to turn this around, but there is hope because there's a savior. So if we're evangelical Christians, the whole concept of evangelical means we tell people, we have a responsibility to tell people that there is a Savior. But it also means this, that we have a responsibility to tell people about life in God's kingdom. This is where a lot of people uh, kind of get upset because life in God's kingdom doesn't look like life anywhere else on the planet. Because there's nowhere else on the planet that gives you a picture of life in God's kingdom. It's supposed to happen within the body of Christ. Because we're the only ones who can show. Here's what life in the kingdom looks like. Because we're the Holy Spirit-filled people of God. Right? So this is what Jesus does. Jesus comes down. It calls his disciples. And immediately after he calls his disciples, in Matthew chapter 4, says he went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news. Again, the word evangelizo. So he's doing evangelism himself. The good news, the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every weakness and infirmity among the people. So if you read through the gospels over and over and over, you'll see Jesus says, hey, life in the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. This is what it looks like in the kingdom of God. This is what life is like. He tells parables about it. He tells stories about it because he wants people to understand, hey, what you're living right now, that's not life in the kingdom of God. And he keeps over and over saying, this is what life in the kingdom of God is like. Now, the problem that people have is, as he's talking about life in the kingdom, he also shares, hey, some of the things that you're doing now, they're not okay in God's kingdom. They're not acceptable in the kingdom of God. Some of the things, the ways that you're used to living, they're not acceptable in the kingdom of God. And all of the other books of the Bible also talk about over and over, here's what life in God's kingdom looks like. So Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he says, after all, the kingdom of God is not, he's telling them this is what it's not, because this is what they're used to. He says it's not a matter of getting the food and the drink one likes. Because they were arguing about, hey, if you're eating this unclean food, then you're not right in God's eyes. 
and you don't get to be a part of God's kingdom. If you're drinking this, if you're doing this, if you're not obeying these 613 laws, you don't get to do life in God's kingdom. Paul says, hey, that's not what it's about. Instead, it is about righteousness, that state which makes a person acceptable to God, and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, there's a reason why we can't experience the peace on earth that we would like to experience. It's because of us, because of humanity. And because of our greed, because of our hatred of one another, because of all these things. But in God's kingdom, we'll get to experience that. He tells the church in Ephesus, and Ephesus, again, was like a, a very a culture filled with just living however you want, doing whatever makes you feel good. And he, Paul tells them, hey, be sure of this, right? This is not an option. He says, be sure of this. No person practicing sexual vice or impurity in thought or in life or one who is covetous, that's a lustful desire for the property of others and greedy for gain, for the, he is in fact an idolater, no person doing those things has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And then people look at us because we're saying, hey, this is what life is like in the kingdom. And they say, well, you're, you're, you're being bigoted or you're trying to oppress these people who want to live their sexual life the way they want to. That's not the case. What we're saying is, hey, you can live life however you want. But if you want to be a part of God's kingdom, he has rules. Now, this thing, if, if, if most, of, most of us have rules in our house, right, about like some people have rules like, hey, if you come to my house, you got to take your shoes off. Just, just, just the, even if your feet stink, I don't care, take your shoes off. That's just the way, well, maybe then you can keep them on or whatever. But, but if you come to our house, some people have rules of uh, here's how warm or how cold we keep our house. Anyone, everyone turned on the AC yet? Anyone done that yet? Okay, a couple of people have. Some people have not because there's a solid rule. We don't do it till June 1st. I don't care how warm. It could be 99.3. It's May 27th. We're not turning on the AC. You just sweat it out. Here's a towel, right? Do whatever you got to do. But that's the rule in their house. We may not like the rule in their house. And if we want to breathe and not melt, we just don't go to their house, right? The same is true of God. God has rules for his house. We're not being oppressive because we share with people, here are the rules that God has for his house. If those rules don't line up with the way that you want to live, it's not my place to try to force you to live that way. My only responsibility is to tell you that's not going to be accepted in God's house, right? When we were raising our kids, and those of you that still are, and those when they get school age, there's things that they do at home that you probably say, you know what, when you get to school, they're not going to let you run around like that. They're not going to let you just talk out like that. They're not going to let you just do the things that you do at home because they have rules. And this is the only thing that we're trying to communicate to people uh, about God, is that we have a responsibility right, to tell people that these are the rules that God has for his house. We're not trying to oppress anyone. We're not trying to stop anyone from living life the way that they want to live. We're just trying to tell you, hey, I don't want you to be fooled thinking that you're going to get into God's kingdom doing this because God makes it clear that you're not. 
right? Again, not our responsibility to force something on people. We do have a responsibility to tell people that, hey, you can have hope, right? Because God has given us a Savior. We do have a responsibility to tell people that, hey, this is what life looks like in God's kingdom. We're not trying to force a bunch of do's or don'ts on you, but we are trying to share with you that there are some things that God says he's not going to allow. But this is the most important one, and this is the one that also causes people to walk away from the church, is because we tell them that, hey, the only hope for humanity and through salvation is in Jesus. And the only way to God's kingdom is through Jesus Christ. And people will look at this and say, you're being closed-minded. You're being bigoted. You're, you're excluding all of these other people and all of these other religions and all of these other cultures. I'm not an ambassador for all of these other religions and all of these other people and all of these other cultures. God calls us to be an ambassador of his kingdom. And if we want to really be honest with people, telling them a bunch of lies that makes them feel good is not going to help because it will exclude them from God's kingdom, especially when God makes it crystal clear, right? Jesus said himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me or by me. If you want to know God, right? You want to know God the Father. You want to experience him. Jesus makes it clear. The only way to do that is through Jesus Christ. This isn't me being closed-minded. This is me sharing God's truth with people who seriously want to know God, right? And then, the, excuse me, the book of Acts, Peter says this, there is salvation in and through no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by and in which we must be saved. There's no other way to do it. The only hope for salvation is through Jesus Christ. It's not through any other man. It's not through any other religion. It's not through any other culture. It's not through any other work. There's absolutely positively nothing that we can do to experience that level of salvation unless we choose to go through Jesus Christ. And people say, well, that's not fair. It doesn't matter if it's fair or not. That's the way it is. Has anyone ever gotten a speeding ticket before? Right? Don't raise your hand if you haven't told your spouse. But yeah, so uh, if you're driving on the highway and there's like a sign that says the speed limit is 45. On a highway, it went from 70 to 45. Most of us think that doesn't make sense. And we keep going at 70. If we get a speeding ticket, whose fault is that? It's ours. Whether we agree with it or not, it's their road, they made the law, they said this is it. Same is true, God. Whether we agree with it or not, God said this is the only way to experience and know him is through Jesus Christ. Now, here's the problem. In Acts 5.42, it says, in spite of threats, they never cease for a single day in the temple and at home and the streets in the stores, in the gyms, on the golf club, in the bowling alley, on the shooting range, while they were hunting, while they were swimming together, play dates with the kids. They never ceased teaching and proclaiming the good news, that's that word evangelizo again, the gospel of Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. This is after they had gotten beaten, they, their, their, their homes were taken away from them, 
People shunned their businesses, so their businesses closed because they were preaching this truth that, hey, I know we have this culture that says this is the way to God, but God's word says this is the only way. And even though they were criticized, they were threatened, they were hurt, they were attacked, uh, people made uh, comments about them on Facebook, they stopped going to their you know, stores, they stopped going to their tra- all this stuff. They never stopped preaching it. Here's the problem we have in America. We stop preaching it. We stop sharing the truth. People stopped coming into the buildings, so people started saying, well, maybe if I tweak it and just share this thing or that thing, or if I don't say that Jesus is the only way, or if I don't say that there's, there's laws about what God says is acceptable in his kingdom, or if I don't say that God says that this is sin, if I say that this thing is acceptable because so many people will do it, then more people will come. This is the problem that we have. We've replaced evangelical Christianity with cultural acceptance and for most people, a political perspective. Now, here, here's, here's, I'm going to give you an example of this because so many people have a political perspective that excludes other political perspectives, right? So what most people do is they have a political perspective. We all do. We all vote, right? Hopefully we all vote because we're in a nation that allows it. What most people do is, here's my political perspective. Here's here's the way I see things. I vote this way. Uh, I think this is how the nation should be governed. All the people who don't share that, I want nothing to do with them. They're wrong. I don't want to associate with them. I have nothing to say to them. And then even the politicians who share this political perspective, right, when they get in office, who are they trying to keep happy? Just these people. And they're saying, well, I was going to say a bad word. They're saying forget, <laughs> that, not that bad word, but they're just saying forget all these other people because I got to keep these people happy who voted for me. And then all the other people who have a different political perspective, they're, they're actually saying the same thing. They're saying, we want nothing to do with you guys. You guys are wrong. You're the problem with this nation. If you guys would think like us, everything would be okay. And then we adopt that. So we think, if I get the right person in charge with this political perspective, everything will be okay. They're thinking the same thing. Here's the problem that we don't realize, right? Christianity says it doesn't matter what political perspective you have. What we're supposed to do is, yeah, you can vote however you want for the nation, but we're supposed to lift up and exalt God who sits on the throne, and the only way that we do that is through his son, Jesus Christ. And we tell that to other people, and they can hate us, they can mock us, they can laugh at us, they can stop coming to our congregations, they can stop visiting our stores, but we have a responsibility to tell them that. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and as the band comes up, God, we realize that there is a divide in our nation. We realize that we all have differing political perspectives. 
we realize that there are voices from every political party saying that they are the hope for the nation, they are the path for the nation, they can restore the nation to a place of peace and hope. But God, we pray that we as Christians realize that the only hope that we have for this nation is through your son Jesus Christ. And we pray that we would be the generation that takes that truth out of the pulpits, into the street, and not just share it in our sermons, but share it in our homes, in our schools, in our grocery stores, and everywhere that we would go. That we wouldn't demean people who think differently, we wouldn't harass people who have a different political perspective, but we would be united in sharing the truth of your word that you are our only hope. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com, or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you, and God bless.